Welcome to Ukulele is a New Black. I'm Meredith Harper and I love to play the ukulele. In this podcast, I talk to ukulele players to find out why they play ukulele, what they love about it, and how it's changed their lives. I wanted to play an instrument, because musicians are so cool, and I wanted to be cool, but I found playing an instrument was kind of hard. Today's episode is with Christopher Carr, better known as CC, of the Ukulele Trading Company, which is based in Adelaide in South Australia. We talk about the Adelaide ukulele scene, the importance of changing your strings, and a whole lot more. Oh, and we also do some bad Bob Dylan impressions. Enjoy! Ukulele player, introduce yourself. Hello, I am CC of the Ukulele Trading Co. Of course, CC stands for Christopher Carr, um, but everyone just calls me CC, and I'm of the Ukulele Trading Co. here in South Australia. I sell Carla ukuleles, Ohana ukuleles, and I also import into Australia the Worth ukulele strings from Japan. Now, I know the Worth ukulele strings, and I believe I have bought some from you in the past. Have you? Oh, good on you. Yes, I like the, I like, good, I like the brown good. ones. That's well, you know, you, you should change those strings at least every 12 months. Yes. Well, I have, I have multiple ukuleles, of course, and so it's, sometimes it's hard to remember um, which ones you've used and mm. which ones you've changed. Um, but, yes, I'm, I'm probably due to buy some more, so you'll most likely mm. get an order from me at some point. The way, the way I generally advise people is, people, you know, some people go, have never changed ukulele strings or whatever. Um, so what I sort of say to people is you've got to imagine that your string is like a skipping rope and it actually moves not just backwards and forwards, but it goes in an ellipse. It goes in like a little um, uh, oval shape. And if you imagine that what happens is you wear out your strings at one end with your fretting, um, so therefore the string becomes lighter at that end. You're wearing little divots away in the bottom of the string. So if the string is lighter at one end and heavier at the other, then that oscillation is not going to work properly. And that's why when people tune, and they go, well, I've tuned, but it's not sounding right. It just sounds off. It's because it's not oscillating properly. It becomes uneven. It's like having a weight at one end of the skipping rope and then no weight at the other. So if you can imagine, it doesn't work. So what I generally say to people is just click, put your finger underneath the string and just run it up and down. And if you feel little sort of gaps, like at the moment I'm doing it to mine, and it's definitely worth uh, doing, you'll feel little rough spots underneath with little divots. And that's where the string is worn away over your frets. Um, that means the string is now unbalanced and it's time to change. So if you played every day... I'd recommend six months to 12 months you'd want to change those strings if they were worse. Uh, quillers probably last a little bit longer. They're a tougher nylon string. So, yeah, okay. that's how I advise people to change strings. Well, that's good to know because I usually just figure, oh, it's been a while, I'll change them. Mm. Um, I never really knew how to test to see if I needed to change them. So mm. that's, that's really good advice. Yes, that's right. And with the, uh, the fluorocarbons, you can often see some sort of abrasion as well. Uh, yeah. So the, yep. the, the strings will start to look like hairs. So if you have a split end in your hair, it can kind of look like that. Yeah, so that's yeah, another yeah. sign you want to change those strings. Otherwise, it's going to break. As soon as you go to play something important, it's going to break. It's just the way – it's the law of averages. It always breaks when you don't want it to. Yeah, that's right. Yes, on your most important performance ever, that's when it'll happen. Mm. <laughs> Which is kind of good for me because I sell strings, I sell aquillas, and I sell the worths. So if people never broke strings and they never wore out, I'd go out of business. Well, that's right. If the, you don't want them to ever invent the, the permanent, the never-ending string, do no, you? Because... No, that's right. That's right. So, I find people buy a lot of the wound strings off me, the, uh, the wound low Gs. They wear out really quickly. Mm. Yeah, I'd used them my first few times with a low G and I, I wasn't a fan. No. And then I switched to the brown worths and I thought these are, are way better. Yeah, absolutely. You, you want And it's not just worth that do those sort of uh, strings. I find when you've got the, the nylon strings and then one wound string, it just sort of sounds very unbalanced well, across the yeah, strings. Yeah, they don't match. No, they don't. And they squeak as well. 
and they wear out really quickly because they're like a classical guitar string with the nylon core and the wire wrap around the outside and they just wear out super quick and then it just won't sound nice. So before you started selling ukulele strings, at some point you must have decided I'm going to play ukulele. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I owned a music shop in Salisbury here in South Australia, and I had ah. had a. It was a full range music shop, so it was keyboards and banjos and saxophones, trumpets, the whole gamut of stuff. And we were selling Martin guitars, and the Martin guitar rep is based here in SA. They were at the time they were importing Martin guitars, and they would come in, and uh, they kept saying around about, it would have been 2005 when Carla had just sort of started you know, that you want to get into ukulele. Ukulele is going to be really big. And we go like, no. Ukulele's, yeah, right, sure. Yeah, ukuleles. Because <laughs> at the time, 2005, before Carla really hit the market, you had two ukuleles. You had Cheap and Nasty, which everyone got in for their Christmas catalogues, um, which you gave to the kids because you didn't want to buy them a guitar. And then there was the $1,000 plus Hawaiian instruments and didn't seem to be anything in between and mm. they kept coming in and saying it's going to be big it's going to be big it's going to be big so eventually I, I acquiesced and said okay next time you come in bring some Carla Ukes and show us how to play because I was a guitarist and a, a singer and a guy came in and once he explained that all the knowledge you have on your guitar you could actually apply to your ukulele. It's just two strings are missing, and it's as if a guitar had a capo at the fifth fret. And so he played a few scales. He played Stairway to Heaven on ukulele, and I was just sold, you know. So (laughs) I went, that is fantastic. And doing a little bit of teaching, all of a sudden I realised that four strings, it's much easier for a, a student to take four strings and turn them into a triad for a major or a a minor chord than if you had six strings because you've got to take those six strings and convert them into three notes and it's Mm. it's so much harder. So I found students got runs on the board really easily. Um, So that's when I became a a ukulele player uh, because I was selling them in my shop. I had no intention to become a ukulele player. Um, but people would come in and they would be on the wall and it was like, can you demo that? And I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) So I thought, okay, well, I better go off and learn how to play it. So I went to the Ukulele Appreciation Society here in South Australia and it was a fantastic place. And I discovered something really interesting that, that if you've ever come from guitar world, when a bunch of guitarists get together, if someone knows a chord and, and someone else doesn't, they kind of hide it. They're not very forthcoming. Ah. It's a bit cutthroat. It's a bit show-offy. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like a blood sport. You guitar jams. Ah, okay. Everyone's just trying yeah. to outdo each other. When I went to the Ukulele Appreciation Society, they were so welcoming. They they had they assigned me a buddy to look after me on the night. Nice. And then there was yeah. another couple of people. One guy's showing me the chords, like he's holding the uke up in front of me, and another guy shouting the chord changes in my ear. And I thought, (laughs) you don't get this in guitar world. This is such a giving sort of uh, situation with these guys. I mean, ukulele world was was something completely different to me, and I just fell in love with it. My business partner didn't. He never really sort of kind of got it. Um, So that's how I started. Yeah, purely necessity, you know. Yeah, and how long ago was how long ago was that? 2005. Oh, right. That's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. That's when I first started selling them. And we probably had them in the shop for a couple of years before I even thought about learning. And then it was just, a, you know, a m- mate who was also a guitarist, sort of, we weren't in a band. We'd been in bands together, but we weren't in a band at the time. And he went, oh, I fancy learning this ukulele. I've bought a ukulele. I said, well, I sell them in the shop as well. Let's go. Let's go and learn this thing. So that's when I sort of started. Um, and you just kind of, I just learnt enough uh, to get by in the shop. Didn't really start learning properly until probably a couple of years after that. Um, then I just decided to, to really get stuck in and, and learn. And it's just been a journey ever since. Yeah. So the, the Ukulele Appreciation Society, that's such an awesome name. It is. <laughs> I believe it's the oldest ukulele club in Australia. It, it started a long time ago. It's, it's you know, it was, it must be 20 years old at least. Wow. In, yeah, it's, it's always been a hardcore group. Because in, in South Australia, we have a guy called Donmo, Don Morrison, 
who makes uh, resonator guitars and resonator ukuleles. Um, we've got the Carla importer based here. He also imports the Ohana and he imports Aquila strings. So it's kind of, it was sort of ground zero for, for ukulele, I think. It was just a... How unexpected. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, Adelaide, great place, but not the biggest not the biggest city in Australia. No. But, but I have many international listeners who won't be familiar with Adelaide. Um, it's a lovely spot, but, yeah, not, not, not large. Mm, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like Melbourne, but good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, that's what I say about Canberra. Yeah, I like Canberra too. I mean, when Adelaide gets too busy, I'm going to move to Tasmania. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I've always thought Tasmania's always been – I love Canberra, um, but if I lived anywhere else, it would be Tasmania because at least the summers don't get so hot there. Mm, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big country town, Adelaide. It's really well laid out. It's all planned. I mean, we're, we're free settlers. Everyone here is a free settler. There's no convict history sort of here. Uh, which is sort of the standard joke. What do you call people from New South Wales? Convicts, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm originally from New South Wales. Just no, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. Although, of course, nowadays people are very proud of their convicts. Oh, history. absolutely. Absolutely they yeah. are. Yeah. Oh, I think it comes out, it's that whole uh, larrikin Australian thing, you yeah. know, that uh, we're pretty irreverent, pretty larrikin-y sort of thing. It goes back to our history. So, so ukulele in, in Adelaide then, is ukulele appreciation society still happening? Absolutely, absolutely still happening. And one of the teachers there, Don Morrison was the teacher, he made the Donmo uh, resonator ukes. Uh, he went off and did other things and a few other people sort of stepped in. There's a guy called Richard Gibson who runs Richard G's ukulele website, which I'm, which if you want to find a piece of music, just type in Richard G's ukulele website and you ah. will find about 1,200 pieces of music that he's, oh, wow. he's taken from, you know. Um, and what he does is he tends to find pieces of music that he loves and that other people love but necessarily haven't been done before. So he will put them into a really great format. Uh, you can download them. It's totally free. You just leave a tip in the tip jar, should you feel like that. And he's got a bit of advertising. So Richard G was the teacher uh, at the Ukulele Appreciation Society. He was going overseas because he did a bit of a, an odyssey overseas. He went to America and checked out all the ukulele groups in America. And then one year he decided to do one uh, in England. So he sort of went from one end of England to other visiting ukulele clubs. And at the time, there was a band that was made up of ukulele members of the Ukulele Appreciation Society called the uh, Ukulele Circus. So because right. Richard was moving on and he was going to come back, uh, they needed a male voice and someone that could play. So they asked me. And I, I went, oh, yeah, OK, I'll join. And I remember turning up on the first night and they were playing chords that I'd never seen in my life. And ah. I just thought, okay, I better, I better pull my socks up. Yeah, time to go to the next level. Yeah, and <laughs> I remember someone leaning over and going, uh, I don't want to hear B7, I want to hear B flat, you know. <laughs> I mean, you can hear that? And they went, oh, yeah, we can hear that. <laughs> and there was ah. someone else like, you know, uh, I think you really should learn that E7. <laughs> I'm not going to jam with you anymore. It was just, okay, so I better open the books and really learn to play. So that was Ukulele Circus. Um, and then from there, I joined another group called, uh, what was it, uh, Sav Savoir Plunk. And we did the uh, Cairns Ukulele Festival. Um, you know, uh, Ukulele Circus, we, we toured around a little bit. Um, as well, doing some of the festivals. Uh, went to Denny Uke Fest and a few local ones. So, yeah, that's where I kind of had to, to learn. But it all comes from that Ukulele Appreciation Society. They are ground zero. I went off and formed my own ukulele group in uh, the northern suburbs because I was fed up of driving into town every week. Yep. Somebody uh, from down south went and formed their own one uh, down south. Uh, rather than drive all the way into town. Someone decided to do one out in the west and other people decided to do some in the east. Uh, so now you've probably got oh, 20 or 30 ukulele groups in South Australia all wow. over the place, uh, from Wyala 
right the way down to Mount Gambia, um, Goolwa, Victor Harbour. Um, yeah, they are all over the place. We have a ukulele picnic in December where we'll probably get 15 groups, maybe 20 groups from all over the state. We'll come oh, and nice. put on a, a massive big picnic. You know, 500 people will turn up to a park and it's a massive big strum along. And every every ute group gets to lead two or three songs. So, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, Adelaide's great for, for ukulele. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, probably people outside of, of, of Adelaide don't know. It's a fantastically, it's a fantastic place. It's a, a, a secret. <laughs> well, now now the secret's now out. Now the secret's out, yeah. It's on my podcast. Yeah, come, come to Adelaide. <laughs> when people come to Adelaide, they, they contact me and say, oh, I want to jam when I'm in Adelaide. Is there anywhere I can go? I say, well, just tell me where. Is there anywhere where, you can go? Where, <laughs> where are you staying? And I just give them two or three ute groups that will be within 10, 15 kilometres of wherever they're staying. It's quite amazing. Actually, people are people are often surprised to hear how many there are in Canberra as well. I think it's because in the smaller towns, um, or smaller cities, I guess we are cities. Um, people are less inclined to drive. So, I mean, if you look in Sydney, I've never counted them, but there's not that many more in Sydney than you'd get um, in Adelaide or Canberra, mm. and it's a much much bigger place because people are just used to driving for half an hour an hour to get somewhere. Mm, that's right. But but we don't want to do that. I mean, I'm not going to drive 20 minutes. Don't be ridiculous. Well, that's right. That's why. I mean, when I say I didn't want to drive in the town, I didn't want to do a half hour drive. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so my wife is like, just organise one out in the north. So I organised one in the north and, you know, we, we've built it up. Some nights we get over 100 people. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, it's it's a big pub. How do you, how do you manage them all? Oh, whipping a chair. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I started off very much a teaching thing because part, part of the thing when I, when I, when I wound up the shop, I decided to throw myself into just doing ukulele. Um, because uh, the suppliers came to me and said, look, you, you were a really good customer. Sorry, the shop's wound up, da-da-da-da-da. If you ever need anything, let us know. So I went, okay, I'll sell ukuleles. Can I buy ukuleles off you? And they went, fine. So I thought, okay, well, to promote the, the business, I will teach people how to play. I'll grow the base, if you, if you well, like. Well, that's it. I'll, yeah, teach them to play and they'll have to buy Yeah, one. I'll grow the market. Um, mm. So I started off teaching, but now with the ukulele uh, in the north, I have two groups. I've got the beginners group where you come for your lessons, but when you get 100 people in a room, it's just a jam. You, you can't, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, the people in the first three or four rows, they can see what you're doing with your fingers, but after that, they, they can't really see what's going on. Yeah, and it is a really good jam because we have a band on stage. We've got a drummer and we've got a bass player, and so everyone sort of joins in. It's a it's a really well guided um, thing. Obviously, we explain the chords. We we try to teach as much as we can. Um, but uh, if you really want to learn, come along to our afternoon lesson and do that. Yeah. And then you can get up close and I can see what you're doing and you can ask me questions. Yeah. You know, in a room of 100 people, very few people are going to put their hand up. You know, they're just embarrassed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if you're not near the front, you know, you can ask a question and you can't, if they can't see what you're doing anyway from back there. So what's the mm, point in asking? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So it's really mm. gone from a teaching thing into a big jam in the evening. Uh, but in the afternoons, I, I run the teaching, which is what it used to be. It, it was started as a as a teaching thing. We'd teach for the first half hour, an hour, and then we'd spend a jam the, the next hour. But really, it's become more of a jam. Yeah, which yeah. is great entertainment. Now the pub's happy. They'll sell 80-odd meals and people will book in. Yeah. Just sit at the back just to watch the entertainment and see what's going on. Yep. Mm. Now, presumably that hasn't been happening the last few months, though. No, we've just had uh, 16 weeks off. Uh, we went back last week. So it's great. So we're, numbers are down. Uh, we, we are very lucky that we have a massive beer barn. It is a big... Oh, okay, so you can spread yeah, out. Yeah, it is a big beer barn. Um, so you can spread out. So 60 people spread out through there. You know, you can have that. Because we've got a two-metre-per-person distance in South Australia. Yep. So we really can. Uh, we could probably fit uh, more people in there, but a lot of people are health comp compromised. They're older. You know, the way the demographic is for ukulele, a lot of them are older. Yeah. Um, they're being cautious. Um, so that went back last week. We had a uh, – so this is our second week back. And then the one I run up at uh, the Res Hotel in Newton, which is up in the eastern suburbs, uh, that went back last week. 
but uh, all of South Australia's been locked away for about 16 weeks. A lot of Zoom stuff. A lot of people doing yep. Zoom jams. <laughs> um, so actually one of our groups, Ukulele Republic of Canberra, has started going back. I think they're going back this week, mm. um, but wearing masks because it's the singing yes. that's the issue. Um, um, but uh, I've, yeah, I just, to me, I just... I don't want to sing with a mask. No. Because <laughs> I, I, I like the singing more than the playing. Um, but at least I've, we've got to the point now where, you know, I can get together in a room with, you know, four or five people, which I have been doing, you know, every couple of weeks, and we just have a little a little jam. And that's, that's actually really good, mm. really nice to do that. Because playing on your own isn't the same, is it? No, no. And I really missed the, the group playing. Um, I like to when – when I teach, I like to teach in a group. I'll, I'll teach one-on-one. That, that's fine. But I found the Zoom stuff very – um, un, uninspiring you know a lot of people liked it I remember when we first did it everyone's playing along and everyone is out of time because you got that delay yeah. thing happening that's right some people yeah, going, yeah, that sounded work. really good and I'm thinking <laughs> no it didn't <laughs> it's, it's like a mess so what ends up happening is that uh, everybody else has to mute and then one person plays and you just jam along with it well that that's like playing yeah. along to a YouTube video um, yeah, well, that's right. It, it's yeah. not really, well, not really for me. I, I, I like to jam with people and have that that interplay, that energy, and things like yeah. that. That that's my thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of playing, um, do you have something? Now we haven't talked about what kind of music you like to play. I mean, I guess there's the music you teach. Is that the same as the music you like, or are they two different things? Uh, I'll teach whatever people want. I have I have a basic uh, idea of what. They need to learn. Um, they need to learn their chords and they need to learn their rhythm. A lot of people have got no idea uh, uh, how to play. Uh, so there's a lot of mechanics to it. Learn to put your finger here, learn to strum like this. I've got a belief that um, everyone is pre-programmed for music. And it has been uh, for about the last hundred years now. Because when Marconi invented the radio and Thomas Edison invented the uh, record player, it meant that music was then accessible whenever. Whereas before, you had to know a musician or a musician had to come to town for you to be exposed to it. Well, now, ever since then, and with television and radio, this the generations we have now have been exposed since the womb to music. So I've got this idea that they really are pre-programmed. Everyone knows the major scale. There's that fantastic thing online. I think it's Bobby Womack or someone like that. He goes, look, you, you know the major scale, and everyone in the audience goes, no, I don't. And he plays the major scale, and then he hits the wrong note. And then they just go, oh, that's the wrong note. And he goes, well, you know, obviously you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are programmed. That's right. And we can all count pretty much in, in, in to four and to three. Yeah. We can dance. Um, so yeah, so what I the approach I take is okay. This is the music you want. Let's dissect it and work out what's making it tick. Let's unpack that that song and start to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I like to teach people all the chords. Uh, and I'm one of these people that when I learnt guitar, there was no uh, difference between bar chords and open chords. You just learned, you know. You're going to learn yeah. A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, and then you're going to learn the minors and all the, the things. So when people come along and they go, oh, I don't want to learn any bar chords, I'm going, well, that, that's so limiting. That It's going to limit you, yeah. Yeah, that's like <laughs> saying, I want to learn English, but I can't be bothered with the vowels. Just teach me the consonants. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of go. So I've, I've got some tricks that I like to show people because there's the way to learn in the book. There's the way to finger in the book. And then, you know, I come from that punk background. So, you know, keep it simple, stupid, make it make it easy. So, yeah, people can play a D. They just don't know they can play a D. They can play an E because uh, that's the great thing about the, the ukulele, which I've got in my hand now, that the, what I love about it is it's actually tuned to a chord. So that's your C6. Um, but, of course, really, if you've got a little bit of music theory, the C that you need is a G, a C, and an E. So they're the three strings closest to your head. So if you just play the three strings closest to your head and you don't play that A string, uh, it makes a chord. That's C. Of course it does. So, of course, yeah. when you go to the second fret, that's a D. And when you go to the fourth fret, that's your E. And people go, wow, that's an E. That's really simple. I go, yeah, one finger. Use your first finger or your second finger. Press down all three strings. Don't play the A string. And you've got that E. All of a sudden, go wow! I can play a bar chord. 
you know, it's <laughs> partial bar chord. And the other great thing is that the three notes closest your... If you don't play the G string and you just play the three strings closest your feet, it makes a minor chord. So, you know, you go to the third fret, that's a minor chord. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. That's a minor chord. Yeah, yeah. It's a minor chord every day of the week, just up and down the neck. Yeah, yeah so I just yeah, get... I've never thought of that, but it makes perfect so sense. So I get people playing in a very linear way up and down the neck, uh, which is kind of how I learnt with guitar. I learnt uh, root five bar chords. They're neither major nor minor because it's just a root and a fifth. And once I learned that, I was away. I was just like, wow, I know every Ramon song in the book. <laughs> I just have to learn to strum fast. Yes. That's the joys of a punk background. <laughs> so, you know, as people look in the book and they see, oh, it's really, really complex and these chords are quite fancy. And I try and, well, let's just simplify it down. Let's see what chords are essential, which chords aren't essential. Let's try and make it a simple minor or a simple major or a seventh or whatever. And let's try and get you playing music. Let's get the sound that you know in your head and that you hear on the radio. Let's see if we can't get your fingers to start sounding like music. Um, and that, that's sort of the approach I take. Well, how about, um, now you, so you have a ukulele there. Can I, I can't quite see it, though, because I can only see your head. Okay, that's okay. You can only see my oh, head. That looks like mine. I don't know how to change the focus <laughs> on this, uh, on this camera fine. thing. So I was expecting you to have a, a Carla or an Ahana. Shh. <laughs> You've got a Koaloha. I've got a Koaloha. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is my workhorse. This is, this is my baby. Uh, this I picked up secondhand. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. somebody goes overseas. I paid full price for mine. Uh, he goes overseas <laughs> and he keeps buying ukuleles and coming back and then selling them. So I went, okay, well, I'll have this one. Uh, second hand, it was brand new, basically, hardly nice. hardly touched. Yeah, it's funny, the Carla dealer, we, we did a, a thing one day for the morning TV program and we, we both turned up and he had a Carla and I had the uh, Koala and he just looked at me and went, what's that? <laughs> And I went, oh, yeah, probably should be playing a Carla on the television there, Greg. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's okay. My baritone is a Carla and my soprano is a Carla. So, yeah. But I, I just like this one. I just, it's, it's, it's just nice, you know. Um, there was talk of the uh, Carla um, uh, uh, Elite Series coming into Australia. Never quite came together. But I was approached, it was like, if we bring the Carla Elites into Australia, would you be a dealer? And I said, yeah, it'd be fantastic because it means I can get my hands on one. <laughs> it mm. should be great. Who wouldn't like a handmade in California ukulele? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so this is my Koaloa. It's a tenor uke, um, which I found is, is good for teaching uh, because it spreads my fingers out a little bit more and people can kind of yep. see what's going on. Yeah, you know, makes sense. Uh, I've got a friend that plays a baritone uke because he's a very good guitarist, and he finds that spacing good, and that makes it even easier for people to see what he's doing with his fingers. But you know, I like the tenor; it feels feels nice and comfortable for me. Mm. All right, well, play, play me something. What are you going to uh, play? Well, um, I want to do uh, probably. I want to be like you. Uh, you know, Robert and uh, Richard Sherman back in '67 came up with that. It's from the, the that uh, movie, The Jungle Book. You know, yeah, which yeah, I, no, the one. It's I a great song. It. And I remember, I it. remember seeing um, Ollie Murs and Robbie Williams on a TV program in America. Uh, no, actually England, and they uh, did that song, and oh, wow. they really hammed it up and and whatever. Mm. Well, Ollie's a great perf uh, performer, and so is uh, Robbie. And their guitarist was on a ukulele, and I went, oh, great. I'm going to go Yay. learn that one. I wish I could play it as well and sing as well because I'm not much of a singer, but um, I can certainly play. So everyone is, can sing. Yeah, everyone can sing. Yeah, it's just singing in tune that's the hard bit. So <laughs> I like to details. I like to say to people, I'm I'm just there to teach them to play. I'm not there to teach them to sing. It's purely just a guide vocal, um, just so you know where things are. So, so here we go. So. Be just like the other men I'm tired of mucking around 
twins No one will know where a man cub ends and a orangutan begins When I eat bananas, won't peel them with my feet I'll become a man cub and learn some etiquette Oh, bitter, wanna be like you Wanna walk like you, talk like you too It's such a fun song. Fantastic. I love and that. And I found the kids love that. I used to do some, some uh, I still do kids' workshops and stuff like that. And I, when I was teaching at the markets and things like that, I'd do some jamming at the markets. A little kid comes along and you just, you do that song and they just dance around and pretend they're monkeys, which is great. And the adults like How it. How can you not? Yeah, it works yeah. on two levels. works on two <laughs> levels, which is great. So Ukulele Trading Company, so it's essentially online? Yeah, absolutely. Fully, fully online. Um, and again, the, the wholesalers that came to me were, were cool with me being online. So that would have been, when did we finish the shop? Would have been about 20, 2013, I think I wound up my physical shop. But that had always been online as well. I remember when we first started 1800 Instruments in Salisbury, we couldn't get a bank to take our business because they couldn't understand the idea that people would pay with a credit card online <laughs> so we had to that was a while ago it was a long way back when all around here were green fields electronic green fields so we had to have a bank in uh, new south wales we found a guy in a bank in new south wales who kind of understood that e-commerce was going to be the next big thing uh we found an internet hosting company in queensland who could wrap their heads around what we wanted to do with online and, uh, yeah, so we'd always been online. So I just continued that on with the, uh, with the Ukulele Trading Co. So with the online, I must say, I've always been reluctant to buy a ukulele online just because I want to touch it and I want to play it because I feel like you kind of have to bond with the ukulele. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I, I did actually recently buy one online, which I was very happy with. But have you found that to be an issue? Do people want to come and try them out? Or? Yeah, and I just have a, a great big shed set up with lots of shelving and lots of ukuleles there. So if people want to come and try one out, that's fine. That's only good for the local people. So what I do is I offer a 30-day return policy. So it's basically, if you don't love it, then send it back to me because I want you to love your instrument because if you love your instrument, you will play it. And if you play it, you'll get better and then people will go, oh, that's a nice uke. Where did you get that from? And you will let them know. So I think if if you're going to go online, you've got to have a lot of pictures a lot of really good pictures, and you have to have a good return policy. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's. I think we've all been forced into online buying. It's well, especially recently. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> all of a sudden all the shops are closed and you're locked up in your house. And I know that they say you're allowed to go out and get supplies, but I'm pretty sure if the police pulled you over, ukulele's not going to become on the list of essential supplies. It is for me. I mean, you and I know it's essential, but police tend not to understand yeah, that. Yeah, they don't understand that. Where are you off to? I'm just <laughs> off to the local music shop to get a ukulele. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. Um, instruments are very, very um, personal things. I suppose that's the other reason why I've chosen to do the Carla and the Ohana ukes, because the quality's there. Um and I've spent a lot of time trying different Chinese factories because um, uh, I want to do a, my own line of ukuleles. Um, but it's interesting. Things that look the same come from different factories and the, the quality's different. So you have to find a really good quality instrument uh, because you don't want boomerangs. It's expensive way to do business. If you're sending out ukes and then they're getting posted back and you're covering that mm. that cost there's not a lot of profit in a ukulele to tell you the truth uh, music yeah. business it's there's generally 30 30 percent we call it trade 
So it's about 30%. And then you get extra bonuses for, for selling more and paying on time and things like that. But it's not like a pair of socks or a pair of underpants. Where you buy them for 25 cents and you sell them for $2. There just isn't that sort of markup in musical instruments. And it's the same with drums or violins or guitars or anything. No, no musical instrument has a, a large markup because they cost so much to make. Um, yep. It's not like an extruded piece of plastic to make your kettle. Um, they've got to be put together by skilled people. So it's inexpensive to make a good quality ukulele. It's expensive to make a good quality instrument, full stop. Yeah, so, but, you know, I sell them. I sell a lot of strings. Uh, strings tend to be what we call the bread and butter. Uh, cases, strings, straps, capos, y you know what you're getting, you know, and they're yeah. an inexpensive purchase. They're all sort of, you know, $50 less, and that's a little bit easier for people to do. But once they've bought from you a few times... Um, and often they'll know the product. I mean, Carla speaks for itself. Ohana speaks for itself. Uh, Kawaloa, Lanakai, Luna. When people say what you to get, I always say just stick with the name brand because um, yeah. you know what you're going to get. These companies don't want to put out substandard instruments because they're trying to build a brand, you know, whereas a lot of other stuff that you see on Wish or AliExpress, you know, it's... Uh, if it's $25 and it comes with a bag and a strap and a tuner and it's electrified, then, you know, something's... Yeah, it's not going to be it's good. It's not going to be good. So, yeah. Was it Benjamin Franklin said? The the sweetness of a cheap deal is uh, tempered by the sourness of poor quality or something like that. I'm, yeah, paraphr like that. I'm paraphrasing him terribly. <laughs> but he's dead. Yeah, but... So. Yeah, that's right. He's not going to complain. He's not going to complain. Hmm. Alrighty. Now you had a second song you were going to play. Yeah, I thought I'd do a little bit of Bob Dylan. Um, oh yeah, because people love oh. a little bit of Bob Dylan. Look, I love Bob Dylan's music. I hate his his singing. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody else plays a Bob Dylan song, I'm happy as. Well, I actually think everything sounds better in Bob. Um, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I've got this thing. I've, we have the fringe here in Adelaide, and I've got this uh, plan. I want to do Bob Dylan plays ABBA. Because I, I combine oh, my two things. Because yes. I love Bob Dylan and I love ABBA. And I've got this thing that I think Bob Dylan is a secret ABBA fan. So, yes. and if you sing ABBA, you can sing anything in the voice of Bob and it makes it sort of... Oh, of course. Because you kind of go like, yeah. uh, let me try and do my best impersonation of Bob. Waterloo, how would you feel if you won the war? <laughs> oh, Waterloo, <laughs> I could love you forevermore. You know, it's like that is the best concept ever. Yeah. So, and and I, funny, I don't do impressions, but I can do a Bob Dylan. Oh, let's so, hear your Bob yeah. Dylan. I want to hear your Bob Dylan. Oh, come on. How many? How's it go? How the words? How many roads must a man <laughs> walk down? How many roads must a man walk down? Before he can come, your man. It's like excellent. That. Kind of like that. Carl yeah. <laughs> Chisel's better as, everything's better as, but you can take any song you want and sing it as Bob Dylan. A bit irreverent. Yeah. Maybe Bob wouldn't be happy with that. <laughs> oh, we don't care what Bob Oh, he's grumpy anyway. He doesn't listen to this podcast, he's, I'm sure. He's grumpy anyway. Grumpy Bob. He's always, <laughs> he always bloody grumpy. You can't, can't make him happy. No. Um, so I thought I'd do yeah. Don't Think Twice. It's all right. Um, oh, I love this song. Yeah, in, in the key of F again. I like to try and teach people songs in their original keys or close to the original key. The original key was was E. Uh, one because I think it makes people better players, and the other thing is it it, um, it makes the song sound a little bit more authentic. Uh, it's one of those things. Everything seems to be changed to C, which is a bit of a pet peeve oh. of mine. It's mine. Oh, although for me it's a pet peeve because C is boy key, not girl key. I can't sing in well, C. Well, I can't really sing in C. There'll be some people say I can't <laughs> sing in any key. Uh, but I get closer in that C's terrible for, for me. But everything's just C, F and G, C, F and G, C, F yeah, and G. Yeah, it's boring as. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes I mean, a customer only came up to me and said I was playing, they were playing a song and it just doesn't sound right when they move to the F. And it, it doesn't quite sound right because you've made that transposition. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. You think it's the same thing, just up a bit, but it's not. It no. does. It has a different character, a different. Yeah, character. that's yeah. right. So keys, keys affect the character of the song. So this was in E, and that is a bridge too far for most ukulele <laughs> players. Yep, uh, totally. When people whinge about a key, I generally go, "Fine, let's play it in E," and they just go, "Oh no, no." <laughs> 
<laughs> well, my preferred key is A, which tends to involve E, but I use a lot of E7. I, I love A. I love A. Or, um, I, use a ca- or I use a capo yeah, so <laughs> and play it in G. What I do when I go and I'm doing a, a, an absolute beginner's workshop this weekend up in the Adelaide Hills, um, uh, I teach people how to play the blues with one finger. Okay, one finger on your oh, right nice. hand, one finger on your left hand. Uh, yep. So you play that A7 with just the one finger. Yep. And then you go to the second fret and hold down your first finger. When your second finger holds it down, you strum. That's your D. And then move to the fourth fret. That's your E. So then you've got oh, yeah. La Bamba and all sorts of stuff. You can play Ramones as well, you know. It's just that classic sort of, you know, one, four, five. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it makes it really simple. So, yeah, this has got a B flat in it. It's got a D7. It's got an F7 in it. So hopefully I can remember how to play it for you. I'm sure you can. If not, we can we can always edit. <laughs> Take 23. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I had a weekend like that. I like it when people do country songs and they say, and here's a little country song, and it goes a little like this. And I keep thinking to myself... How about you don't do it a little like it? How about you play it exactly like it? People might like that a little bit better. Ain't no use to sit and wonder why, babe. It don't matter anyhow. Ain't no use to sit and wonder why, babe. If you don't. Change. Yeah, it did the key change as well. So <laughs> it was surprising for me when I saw it on the sheet too. 
feel as a kid. Look, I, I, because I never actually listened to the original of any Bob Dylan song, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> well, that is an interesting thing because a lot of people they they want to learn songs and they they you know go along to youth groups. A lot of these songs that you know, I obviously I, I like. Uh, Bob Dylan, people know Bob Dylan, people know the Ramones and things like that. But quite often you're presented with songs that are being presented by other people and you've never heard that song in in your life. You only know it from your youth group performances. Um, mm. And sometimes when I go back and, and actually do come across the original, I listen to it and go, that's not how we do it at youth group. <laughs> You listen to the original and you think, that just sounds weird. Well, yeah, because everyone, that's the great thing about music is that um, everyone puts their own spin on it. Um, And that's what I say to my students, you know, you're playing the same chords, but what is different is your timing. It's your right hand uh, that's really changing it, you know. You can have the same chords. Stevie Ray Vaughan can play the same notes and sound different to Eddie Van Halen, uh, sounds different to all the other players. Um, Eric Clapton sounds different to J.J. Cale because they're right hand. Um, So, yeah, it's interesting when you hear different people's timing, their interpretations. Mm. Uh, Sometimes you come across people that are very pedantic, and they're going, oh, I think you came in a semi-quaver too early with that word. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to do an exact copy. Yeah, here. it's not about yeah. a facsimile. It's about no, uh, putting no, your own stamp. No point. And how about we not worry about that and let's just have some fun. <laughs> yeah, let's just play exactly. some music and have some fun. <laughs> let's pretend it's a campfire and we're having a jam. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, I think it's time for the last question, which is how has ukulele changed your life? It has changed my life absolutely, completely. I spoke earlier on about how people came in uh, to the shop, to, reps came in, and I started stocking ukuleles, and then I better go off and learn to play ukulele, and then I got asked to join that band. And what I found was is that uh, I was showing other people in the band different things, and they would show me something, and... It's absolutely changed my mind. I never set out to be a ukulele teacher or to run ukulele groups. Um, but two friends of mine, one that was in the band with me and one that wasn't with the band with me, they said, oh, a friend in a coffee shop wants to run a ukulele group and we think you should do it. And I went, oh, I can't teach. I can't teach ukulele. I'm just learning myself. And they went, no, 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 you, you can do it. So we met there in the coffee shop and they just basically organised it. They booked a date for me on a Sunday at E for Ethel and they advertised it and people turned up and I taught and I went, hey, hang on, I'm actually pretty good at this. I'm not bad. <laughs> I can do I it. I can do it. Uh, so, yeah, it's absolutely changed my life. Did I want to, did I ever sort of wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to run ukulele groups and I'm going to make ukulele the, the fundamental part of my life, um, expand my uh, group of friends and things like that with ukulele? Never happened. You know, I didn't have that desire to play ukulele, but um, very, very thankful for for Katie Kitchen and um, Kate Jordan-Moore for pushing me forward and saying, look, you can do this. Go and do it. And, yeah, teaching gigs have just been coming my way. Um, I get recommended for teaching gigs and people hire me and people pay me and it pays for my house it pays for my cars it allows me to indulge myself um it's like being a kid in a candy shop you, <laughs> the, the 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 catalog comes out and i go oh that's a nice new uke that's a new thing in the line i'll buy a few of those and see how they go so absolutely changed my life for the better ukulele it's Wonderful. uh it's uh, been one of those life-changing things. I don't think guitar changes your life like that. I don't think recorder changes your life like that. Uh, <laughs> Hard to imagine. <laughs> it's just it's just such a social little instrument. And you walk around and no matter who you come across, you'll find somebody that knows a ukulele player or someone that plays ukulele. It's uh, yep. It's life-changing. It really is. Well, Chris, thanks so much for talking to me today. It's been fun. It's been great. Thank you for having me on Ukulele is the New Black. When I first started off doing things online, that was my saying. I, yeah, oh. that was in the, the, the little bio on the website. It said, Ukulele is the New Punk. Ukulele is the New Black. It goes with everything. <laughs> you should get into it. 
<laughs> so, so we came up with it independently because I never saw it. There. No, no, no. I'm not suggesting you, you were you were a, you were a forward thinker like me, there, Meredith. That's it. We're in tune. Yeah, that's it. Sympatico. Sympatico. Oh, wonderful. Okay, well, thanks so much, Chris. All Thank best. you for having me. Thank you for having me. Okay. And to all your wonderful listeners out there, thanks for, for putting up with a guy from South Australia for half an hour or so. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure they didn't mind. <laughs> Come along to the Ukulele Trading Co. Find us, Googlers online. Come and buy something. I'll, I will put a link in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. It'll thank you. There. Okay, excellent. Cool. See you then. Okay. Ciao. Ukulele is a New Black is produced by me, Meredith Harper. I wrote the theme tune and I performed it with Jasmine Fellows, Jeff Skellums, Jim Croft, Paul Marsh, Chris Williams and Sandra Shaw. Seb Carrero does the graphic design. If you want more information about any of the things mentioned in today's podcast, I have links in the show notes, including, of course, a link to the Ukulele Trading Company. Go there and buy some new strings. There's also a playlist with songs relating to today's episode on the Ukulele is a New Black YouTube channel. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser or wherever you listen to your podcasts and tell your friends. Episodes are released every second Monday and you can subscribe pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. Unfortunately, can you? I've just yeah. phoned the the door's just gone. No, off. that's fine. That's fine. Just go so grab that. That's not a problem. I've got to go and grab the door. Sorry about that, Meredith. No, that's okay. It always happens. I'm a coming. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, good. Okay, I'm actually just in the middle of an interview with somebody. I just yeah, come in, come in for a sec. Uh, so I can't spend long, but I'll just I'll try and grab the tricks. I'll just tell Meredith what's happening. Hi Meredith, you know how I uh, sell ukuleles and sell ukulele strings? Oh, yes. I just had a customer turn up. <laughs> That's fine, you do that. I'm going to go, go and make some, some uh, denare. Yes, <laughs> so, no problem. Okay, I'll be back in probably uh, three, four minutes. Okay, okay, thanks. That's cool. Cause it's the new black.